Hi, y'all. My name is Dr. Cassandra Hutchins. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I represent all things healing, psychology, and spirituality. And you are now tuned into the Unconventional Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Ladoon Thompson, and I'm here with the amazing, the all-healing, Dr. Cassandra Hutchins. How are you today? I'm good. How I'm happy you? to have you on here. And before we start, we usually start with a prayer. So um, you can bow your heads wherever you are listening today. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for allowing us to come to this space. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation. We thank you for each and every person that is listening. We're asking that you sit us down and you stand up and you take lead of this conversation and allow this conversation to be helpful and healing and um, helpful to whoever needs it. Father God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Dr. Cassandra Hutchins, um, you know, first of all, just give us a little spiel about who you are and um, where you uh, where you come from. Okay, so I'm a clinical psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, where do I come from? Ooh, yeah, such an interesting question. Well, I'm from <laughs> DC, <laughs> um, and uh, my dad is Cuban. My mom is African American. Okay. So my upbringing was very diverse. Mm -hmm. um, Spiritually speaking, um, uh, my dad was Catholic, but he also practiced like Santeria on the side. Yeah. And my mom was uh, or is Christian. Um, okay. We were raised in a Baptist church. So had a nice mixture there in my background. Um, currently stationed in New Jersey. Nice, nice. Yeah. So you're from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Always DC. Always from DC. <laughs> Um, so, um, what, what made you get into, um, psychology specifically? So, uh, when I was younger, I somehow became the person that people would always come to, to like tell their problems to, to help them get through tough stuff. And, um, it wasn't until I went into Rutgers, my first year, I was a business major and, um, I was taking all these business classes and I'm like, I'm going to fail every last one of these business classes. And I took a psychology elective mm. and I was like, this is it. I instantly knew that that is, was exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And it all clicked right? Um, and made sense. And here we are. So now with that being said, because you brought that up, um, do you feel like, do you believe that you are a healer? I believe that I'm a vessel for healing. I mm -hmm. believe that God speaks through me and mm -hmm. in that I am able to help people on their healing journeys to heal. So do you feel like there are people specifically in this earth that are more, not saying more anointed, but are, are led by God in this healing process more than others, more, more even to the space that they are, People are draw to them specifically because of that. I do. Yeah. So <laughs> now, because I want to touch on that, because a lot of people, um, some people are licensed in in healing, but then there are people whose spirits, whose whose spirits are healing. Yeah. Um, now, for people who are naturally lean into that space, who heals the healer? 
<laughs> you have to have a tribe. You have to have a support <laughs> system. You have to take time to, to give you what you need. The healers need to take time to give themselves what they need. So I meditate. I ground. I'm actively targeting stuff that things that come up for me that feel heavy. Yeah. I'm not letting anything just kind of get swept under the rug. I can't. I don't have time for that. Right, right, right. Um, and, and for you, um, now just being in this community that we are, and, and it's a great, beautiful thing to see how much healing is a conversation that we are having. Um, do you feel as though the, I guess if you want to say our community is doing the necessary steps to lean into that space? I think that some people are. Absolutely. I think that um, now more than ever, you know, mental health and spirituality, our practices are becoming widely accepted, mm -hmm. um, especially in our community. And I think the new generations are really helping to spearhead that um, by just talking about how important it is to uncover the things that are dark, you know, the things that we suffer through suffer with on our own and like bringing them into the light. All right. Um, for you, you're, both your parents, um, are your parents still together? No. Okay. Now coming up, because we do come up specifically, I'll say, and I always say my community, which is I'm from the inner city. And um, I, I feel like a lot of children have grown up in what you would call broken homes. Um, they come from homes where I see the single parent homes or even homes where both parents are absent. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where a lot of trauma begins for people. For you, um, what was your first experience with trauma? When I was a kid, I was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I don't know that I would have classified that as a traumatic experience because what I did was, is I learned to just sort of disassociate from that experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess that was my way of surviving through it. Right. If I were younger and you asked me this question, I would say the death of my grandmother was mm. the first traumatic experience. And that happened after my sexual abuse experience, um, when I was 17 yeah. and she suddenly passed away and that was really tough for me to get through. Um, so that hardship, that traumatic um, moment, I felt in the moment. My sexual abuse experience, I would say, I felt later on in life. It would, you know, I would have little triggers that would bring out feelings attached to that moment, thoughts attached to that moment that led me to really understand, like, okay, I, this is something I really need to pay attention to. All right. For those people who have been sexually abused and have done probably exactly the same thing, because there are a lot of people that have gone through those moments, and what they've done is they've um, um, they've put it, they've locked it away yeah. internally somewhere. Um, how does that show up for some people? Um, that's a great question. So, and it's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> it can show up in our relationships. It mm -hmm. can show up. And, and what I'm noticing now in our parenting, so mm -hmm. with my daughter, I'm very protective over her. She cannot just stay at anyone's houses. She definitely really can't spend the night out. 
Um, and, you know, let's not even bring in any uncles or, or cousins, like, because that's a no, right? <laughs> because what research does show is that, um, you know, a lot of sexual abuse experiences happen with loved ones, because how many regular people get that close to your children? All not right. many, right? Usually somebody that we know. Um, so I'm seeing it more so with her now. Right. Um, but trust issues, um, Choices in relationship partners, uh, self-image, yeah, you know, sexual promiscu- promiscuity, you yeah, know, so many different ways. Yeah, um, when you said partners, when people, so they're they're more likely to choose what what type of person, or is it you know different? Um, I don't know if it's a certain person. I think it's more so of like what that individual brings out of you, right. Um, so that I mean, that individual can, you know, display a number of questionable behaviors, but it's really about like what it's doing for you, because sometimes if our trauma is unprocessed, um, you know, we are attracted to situations that are still familiar to us. So toxic can still be a familiar feeling. All right. You know, pain can still be a familiar feeling. Um, and so we can get ourselves into new relationship experiences that just bring out new feelings of pain that were familiar to us in our childhood. Mm, okay. Um, and, and something else you touched on was the um, just being like, oh, like, I guess we would say over-sexualized um, when you said that um, people tend to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Or tend to show up that way because of the trauma from their childhood. Because we live in a in a society where... Um, sex is super promoted you know yeah. what i'm saying we can't we can't shake that right and a lot of people feel as though um a lot of people turn to that you know some people don't realize that they turn that some people say i don't drink i don't smoke but they're like overly um overly sexual you know what yeah. i'm saying and i don't know what that i don't know how to explain that but how does that look or how does that show up in some women um that's a great question. So it can look like her offering her body instead of her mind. Mm-hmm. It could look like her using her body as a protective mechanism, right? Like you can have this physical part of me, but nothing, nothing deeper than that. Mm. Um, and how I really like to explain it is like what they are trying to do is, is kind of take control over their pain, right? So like now I'm in control over what this pain feels like versus like someone else being in control over it, which is what happened earlier on in their lives. So it's a, it's a perspective though, because they feel like they're in control always. And they feel, cause I, I've seen so many women that um, I'm friends with or, or I've come across and they jump into relation, they meet somebody and we're three days in and we're already uh, having sex and, you know, I'm not judging anybody for what they do, but then the relationship doesn't work out and they do it again and again and again and again. Yeah. And they're like, yo, why can't I meet a nice guy? Yeah. And then it's a conversation. It's like, you know, I think the hardest thing to say to someone that your friends is like, you know, I, you know, I can joke around with somebody and be like, wait, did you give up the box already? Like <laughs> you gave it up already? And they're like. Yeah, we have fun at night, you know, but it's like really it's 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 a cycle that continues. Yeah. And um, so what are your suggestions to, to some people who are 
going through those and and need to um begin that healing process because yeah. first i think is identifying it absolutely that's always the first step we have to just be aware of it mm-hmm. and we have to be open to changing because change is hard we are very habitual creatures what's that percentage I don't know the percentage. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I, I've always stated, but I, I always, maybe I'll look it up soon, but I do remember like the the percentage of, it's like, I swear, I think it's like 89% people, 89% of people are not even actually capable of change because once you're stuck in the habit. We're all capable of it. Yeah. But that, there's that percentage that the, there's the, the Google percentage, but then it's also like the reality of what we're able to do. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, but we are powerful beings. So, right. you know, we can do anything that we really put our minds to, but we have to be open to that. And that is the part that comes in our own timing. Mm. So even if you tell one of your homies, you know, maybe that'll be the moment where you're saying something to them that they kind of like hear you, but they don't, it doesn't click for them yet. And like, maybe they have to go through a few more hard moments in order for them to, to see it all. And right. then make the decision to change. But that could take years, you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it never happens, right? Just depending sometimes on the person. Sometimes it never happens. Um, okay, now speaking of the trauma that's happening, I just say within our community, right? Now we're talking about the cycle of broken homes and so many people who have grown up in so many different backgrounds. Some people grew up in survivor mode. Some people grew up in houses full of love. But we have all these people who are trying to come together, but we have different communication styles. Um, And unfortunately, I don't think people are having the necessary conversations to really fully understand each other before you jump into a relationship and have children together. Um, what What are your suggestions for, like, just people in our community as far as when it comes to picking partners you know what i'm saying what are some necessary steps that um a lot of young people you know because a lot of our subscribers are people who are in their 25 35 um demographic and they're looking to figure out you know starting families so for what's your advice to some to some of our young people as far as making those steps you know what i'm saying when choosing life partners yeah i always say date yourself first mm-hmm Find out how to find, fall in love with yourself first. Right. Find what that feels like. Find what that needs to look like. Um, try to identify what you need for you mm-hmm. so that any partner that comes in, they will already be reflecting some of that. And whenever, if someone does come in and they're not reflecting what you need back to you, mm-hmm. then you'll notice it quicker. You'll notice when something doesn't feel right or sound right. And you'll be able to make decisions before getting into something more long term or substantial um, to sort of exit if you need to. Right. So finding what you need first okay. is ideal. And uh, for those of us who maybe have already jumped into long term relationships and then we're realizing, OK, there's some trauma stuff coming up. Um, we're having some difficulties because of whatever it is. <clears throat> It takes that awareness first, and then it takes, you know, a dual commitment. Both of you have to be willing to do something different together. Right. And when that is not possible, let's say it's just one of us who's committed to healing, then I say focus on that. 
you know, I say that all the time, especially because I'm in a marriage. Right. right? And um, on my spiritual journey, there were times when uh, my husband didn't understand it. He's full on Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, so there are times where he just didn't understand what I was doing. You know, I have a meditation room in my meditation room um, or where I was in my journey, but I had to do that for me. And so that at times felt like a very lonely journey. Right. Um, I wouldn't say lonely. I'll take that back because I do have, you know, support systems, but um, it was, it felt like a solo journey in um, when speaking about the marriage. Right. So, you know, so sometimes we have to do things for ourselves whenever we feel like it needs to be done with or without our partners. Mm. And then the hope is that, you know, at some point they either catch up or you two find some other healthy space that you can coexist in. Right. Right. No, that's that's yeah. good. I think um, it's important to hear and see that, like, you know, that you guys are on this journey together as a husband and wife um you're, as a husband and wife duo but in the same token you're still on your individual journeys of trying to figure out what works for you yeah. and what makes you happy yeah yeah because we're ever changing yeah you know that's how people that's how they like grow apart in marriages because we're changing at all points of our lives ideally and so you know some people wake up you know 20 years later and they're like I don't even know who you are like why are you you know I don't want to be with you anymore um and so but for me it's a conscious process I'm very conscious of like how I've how I am evolving and what I need and yes I have the background there to help me out with that my psychological background there um but for other people it's just all about tuning in with yourself Right. You just have to know, like, what feels right. I always tell my patients, follow the feeling. Mm. Follow the feeling. Does it feel comfortable? You know? Um, do you feel like your genuine self? Does it feel effortless? That's one of my favorite words. Effortless. You know? Um, relationships, of course, do not always feel effortless. But um, we want it to majority, the majority of the time, to feel like just an effortless union. Effortless and seamless. Effortless and seamless. So following the feeling, right? How does something feel to me? Do I feel comfortable in this moment? Um, Who am I today, right? So like even in our, with the younger generations, just like there's a lot of self-identity crisis, um, just figuring out what it is we're supposed to be doing in our lives and who we are meant to be. I'm seeing that a lot lately. And um you know, there's no clear answer to that, of course, but I always tell them you have to do one thing maybe in order to get to the next thing. And some steps we just can't skip. Yeah. So it's all about really just tuning in, taking that time to tune in with yourself just to see what you need in those moments um, before entering relationship experiences or new life experiences in general. Mm. So for you, before you actually got married and... um what was the journey like of figuring out who Cassandra was like, mm. like the healing process? Because, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's levels of intentionality or if there wasn't and you figured that you got married and you was like, I still got to work on myself. I mean, cause yeah. you're always working on yourself, always. but, but the intentionality of saying before I move forward in this marriage and this relationship that I've done the necessary work on myself, in order for me to give my best self to somebody else. What was that journey like uh, for you? 
So I wouldn't say that I was already in that space of full on consciousness. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was like half in half out. And right. so this is what I mean. Before I met my husband, um, I was already practicing like law of attraction um, in smaller ways, yeah. though, like, you know, trying to attract or manifest parking spaces when I worked in Newark. Um, and and just also noticing like what some of my heart moments in life were and just uh, just being aware of them. I wasn't really processing much at that time. And um, before I met him, eight months before I met him. I had like wrote a list of all of the qualities that I wanted in a partner. Right. Based off of, and this is what I always tell my patients, I wrote the list based off of everything that didn't work previously. So I took all of my old relationship experiences and I said, okay, I like that, I didn't like that. And from that, I was able to create a list of desires. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wrote the list and, and I don't even really know what I did with it after that. I just kind of released it. Yeah, yeah. So it's the releasing of it I think that's important. The law um, of attraction and the law of detachment. Yeah. All in one, right? All in one. <laughs> and he came in eight months later. Um, and even at that point, you know, I wouldn't say that it was love at first sight. Mm -hmm. But um, it took some shifts in perspective for us to both, like, understand each other. And from there, like, once that happened, it was like an instant um, shift I'm and we dig, were dig, dig deeper. What's what's these shifts like? <laughs> <laughs> so, my husband and I are very opposite. Okay. And so early on, I was like a little bit off-putting to me. I felt like he was arrogant. He was like overly talkative, overly friendly, and I'm just like, Ugh. and I had a friend at that time, um, and she said he's opposite of you. That could you know you two could balance each other out, and that's that's literally all I needed to hear. Really? It was that was it. It just clicked for me and I was like, you're right. He had everything else on the he had everything on my list that I'd asked for. You know, and so sometimes we can be in our own ways, right? Like right. God'll send something and it'll be like, I don't know, God, is that it? Cuz like it's literally everything you ask for but then our own fears, our insecurities, you know, um will come in. Yeah. You know, they'll start to surface and um cloud us. Right. You know. So, but it was in that moment instantly. That I shifted. I was able to shift and we were able to move through that. Oh, that's fire. That's no, that's dope because I know a lot of times uh, people get stuck in yeah. what they want versus what they need. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like um, there are especially and I always talk about it in our community when we talk about women who have like daddy issues. Now, mm -hmm. some women will be naturally drawn to men who are like their amazing father. And then some women are naturally drawn to men who are the who are like the father who was not available. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The things that they might have hated about their father is the same things that they were drawn to. Yeah. Why is that? That's their focus. So same thing with law of attraction, right? Whatever you start to focus on is what you'll start to experience. Mm. And so I tell my patients, it's just a simple shift, because if you're focusing on everything that didn't work, in your life, then you're going to get more of that. Mm. Right. So if you're focused on, oh, my dad wasn't there or he was, you know, inconsistent or, you know, unreliable, whatever it is. Right. That that you were still holding on to. Um, you'll start to see that resurface in your different in different relationship experiences until you shift to say, OK, well, instead, I would have preferred someone who was reliable, consistent, loving, 
who showed me love in this way, right? right. And then that, if when as soon as that becomes the focus, that's what you'll start to look for. Sorry. No, because <laughs> no, you know, and, and when you say that, and then you said that you and your your husband are are opposites. Mm -hmm. There are people who will dwell on that and yeah. say, "Oh my God, we are so different." Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and allow that to be the thing that drives them apart. Yeah. But then in all reality, we are different. But most of the time, people do check off 80 percent of yeah. what you need in your life. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and I just just last part I want to touch on because I know I started touching on that. Now, daddy issues with with women like um, a lot of people do have that. You know, I hear them say it. And there's so many different versions of what daddy issues are. Yes. Right. Um how do we begin to um, deal with those? Like as far as I'll say to our women audience, you know what I'm saying? Some women will say, I have daddy issues. I have this. My dad wasn't in my life. My dad was in my life, but he wasn't there. Or they've even experienced the loss of their dads in their lives. So starting to deal with that, how, how does any woman begin to deal with that? It's a very vague, I mean, very broad question. Yeah, but I mean, simply put, Mm -hmm. I would suggest that they start to notice everything that didn't work out with dad, everything they didn't like, everything they would have desired to have been different Yeah, and start to focus on what the opposite of that is. It's, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. So every single thing that they didn't like, what's the opposite of it? Okay. And um, you're not, it's difficult to say that you're just going to say, oh, I have these daddy issues and like this is what it did to me and this is who I am as a result of it because usually in our experiences um, something can trigger that right so so if you have a daddy issue you may be fine for years until that one person comes in and like brings something out of you that reminds you of an old part of yourself that childhood part of yourself right so really that's an ever sort of that's a lifelong journey right of what you would say of healing healing that what inner child Healing. That people hear people say it. Well, I just want to make sure. People I'm love to say it. Right. Yes, we can say that. But you know, there can be parts of from our childhood um, and adolescence and even young adulthood that are still sort of factoring into who we are today. So, but yes, it starts from the inner child. Mm, okay. Okay. Good. Good. So, jumping to another ship here. We're okay. jumping into um, faith. Right. Faith, you growing up in a I would say you grew up in a Christian household. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and now bridging that gap with um, psychology, yeah. because ideally for the first part of our lives, it was like, you know, for me growing up in a Christian household, if there was anything going on, we're going to pray. We're going to pray it away. Yeah. We're going to pray it away. We're going we going to fast on it. And, you know, we know God going to turn it around. But the, you know, and when we used to talk about therapy and going to a doctor, you know, in church, you'd hear them say, oh, don't let the doctor tell you about yourself, this and that. How do we bridge that? Like now, because the conversation is shifting a whole lot more. I'm not sure if it's shifting fast enough because there's still a lot of people who don't believe in um psychology they don't believe in the science of mental health but then also um there are people young people like myself 
who are um, working on figuring out how to bridge that gap because it's necessary. Yeah. I think one one you know biblically you've seen if you can pay attention to certain biblical characters like even somebody like Paul who um who says you know I die every day you know what I'm saying he talks about like that inner pain there's certain lines if you pay attention to it biblically and you pay attention to a character and you see that even then there were psychological issues that they were dealing with that you know affected them so how do we get to the place now where we begin to um bridge that gap so in my therapy sessions i am usually i'm very flexible so it's really based off of what their belief systems are but if they are religious or spiritual in any mm -hmm. way we say okay well what are those beliefs right so i like to say that we all have different roles right and you know god has god's role you right. know um if you own a restaurant you can't you know take the money feed the people, cook the food, you know, everybody right. has to have their own role. And so we say, okay, if I believe in God and I believe that there is this higher power out there that is working in my favor and who wants me to live this beautiful and abundant life, um, yet I'm down here being human, worrying, trying to over manipulate, over control things, do everything on my own, then that goes against your beliefs. Right. So we say, okay, psychologically speaking, what are the thoughts that are coming up for you? Um, why are these thoughts coming up? Where did they come from? And how can we shift them to bridge? Um, how can we shift them to start to build in your faith, right? To use your faith to reinforce these new thoughts, these new beliefs, these new desires that you have in your life. Right. Um, so it's a two-part system. Mm. You know, we use both sides of it. Um, to reinforce the other. So right now in our, I guess in our, um, in this time and day and age, when it comes to like, you know, when you hear faith without works is dead, right? So having faith, like when people are going through seasons of what you would say, anxiety, some people are dealing with depression and they're preying on it. You know what I'm saying? But they're um, they're not doing the groundwork necessary to deal with these things or whatever causes these, what triggers are there. Um, what can anyone do to support somebody going through those times? You know what I'm saying? Especially we're talking about a lot of people, a lot of people that are, do listen to this are um, believers of some sort. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's believers in Christ, whether you just believe in a higher power, but in the same token, we're watching people who are constantly going through these levels of grief and, and, and depression, and they're trying to figure out how to support them, but they don't know how to. Like, what do you suggest? Specific prayers. Specific prayers. Yeah. So if that's all you can do, mm -hmm. um, that's why I always say, like, what is it exactly that's going on with you? Yeah. You know, it's not to get in your business, but like, what is it that, that what are your specific needs? Because I believe in um, being as specific as possible in our right. prayers um, whenever we're trying to affirm anything into our lives. And so if a person is struggling with a depression, for example, um, then we can pray that, you know, whatever those belief systems are or, ch or life experiences are that are that are. Uh, factoring into that moment help to resolve for that person right. and um, that something in their life helps 
them to feel better, you know, help them to see the light more. We can always affirm for other people what we think right. they need. Okay. No, nah, yeah, no, I understand that because a lot of people that, you know, like I say, I deal with and I talk to every day and they're dealing with these specific things and maybe even in the space now, um, a lot of the conversation does come about where we're talking about uh, therapy and people don't have access to therapy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and that also, you know, let's let's segue into my doc in the box. Your doc in the box. Your doc in the box. <laughs> <laughs> See, I tried so hard not to say that, but your doc in the box. Yeah. Um, how can your the, your doc in the box, which is something you created, tell yeah. us about that? So they are the only set of therapy cards that give psychological responses to the questions. Mm. And where I got these questions from was from years of therapy sessions. And what I was noticing is that it doesn't matter our age or gender or race, we all experience a lot of the same difficulties right. in silence. Mm. And so I took a lot of the common questions that have been asked of me and put them in these sets of cards. And then I added my psychology based responses, right. um, which is what I would say to a patient in a session. Mm. Um, and so they are really meant for people who don't have access to therapy uh, regularly um, and also for people who suffer at home in silence, which is everyone. Yeah, because um, the pandemic really um, opened Pandora's box for yeah. a lot of people. Um, and it, it's so crazy going through the pandemic. We were also going through, I think if anyone would call it, our, our own version of the civil rights era. Yes. You know what I mean? We have saw so much going on, especially with the George Floyd situation, which was a catalyst to, which was going on like dead in the middle of, um, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, how do we as a people begin to heal from those things that we've seen generationally? Because generational trauma is real. Yes, it is. So um, and how is I guess the real question I'd say to you is how is generational trauma showing up in us right now? Anger. Mm -hmm. uh, intense sadness. Um isolation but um to your first question i find that talking about this stuff really helps mm -hmm. i was really noticing that all of my patients didn't even matter their background were being impacted by um what they were seeing in the news and what was actually happening in real life they were all suffering asians caucasian a lot of uh, african-americans right um, for African-American women, I created a group therapy session oh, nice. because I was noticing that they were suffering in silence, just being in different career fields, being African-American, being woman, female. So I gave them a space to all kind of come together and um, to unite in that way, to support each other in that way, because it feels much better when we find that one, we're not alone. And two, someone understands us. And three, it's okay to feel how we feel. Right. So for people who don't have access to therapy, I think it is very important for us to have a support system where we do feel safe enough to talk about all of the tough things that are coming up for us instead of trying to suffer through them on our own silently. Right, right. Because um, 
I think it's a lot. There are definitely a lot of women that don't have that access. They don't have insurance. They don't have they don't have great accountability partners because just being um, in the environment that they've been in, like a lot of times they don't have the right people around them. And it's necessary to have groups like this. Um, what are your suggestions for people who are looking for um, some access to therapy um, right now? Because, you know, a lot of times you've heard about different things, but maybe, you know, you have some insight into some programs that are available. Um, I don't know about specific programs. I have two platforms that I usually recommend people to um but also nowadays, you know, I, I know like the Taraji P. Henson, um, there are different therapy platforms that they have created to make therapy more accessible to people. Mm. Sliding scales, right. um, insurance. I take insurance. Um, and yeah, so just the sliding scales. I'm definitely seeing a lot more of that. So being able to pay what you can afford for mm. therapy i'm seeing a lot more of that a lot more come up in different platforms okay and, and with that why why is it that maybe in our community is it so hard for us to find um therapists of of color yeah um i know that there aren't as many African-American psychologists out there, mm -hmm. but there are many, you know, licensed clinical social workers who can also provide therapy that are African-American, um, licensed, you know, professional counselors, African-American. Right. So I think that it's up to the person first. Once they decide that they really want something, you just have to have faith. Yeah. Start looking faith with action. Start looking for someone and just see what comes up. You'll be surprised. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I do have. Um, we have this thing which is called the rapids. Okay. And um, <laughs> so I wanted to touch on the rapids before we um before we wrap. But um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I did forget. I do have one more question for you. Okay. Um. The courageousness that comes with asking for help when someone is going through a um, crisis in their life, whether it's depression, whether it's feeling like some people, um, even speaking of people who are bipolar, right? Like sometimes there are things in life that trigger that um, and realizing that, hey, that's who I am. I am dealing with that emotion. Um, dealing with feeling depressed. Why is it so hard for people to ask for help? That so much to the point that some people just would rather internalize that and suffer in silence. Because yeah. it feels lonely. It feels like a lonely experience. So if you're the only one going through something, then why would we want to burden someone else with that? And going back into the African-American community, you know, a lot of us were raised to keep everything in the household, um, to just only pray about it and just, you know, let the rest go. And, and so if that's what we were taught and that's what was normalized for us early on, then, you know, a lot of us continue to perpetuate that throughout our lives, mm. holding it in, keeping it in the house, um, not talking about it. And how does that show up for a lot of people because there are a lot of people who are dealing with physical ailments, right? Yeah. So we have physical ailments yeah. that we can't source 
We go to the doctor. It's like, yo, doc, my stomach hurts. You know what? Let's before I even go into the, I do have these rapids. Before I go into that, I would love to touch on that real quick. For men physically, how does um, how does I'm not gonna say just trauma, but how does the effect side effects of um, your mental health and spiritual health being um, in turmoil? How does that show up for men? Yeah. Look, I mean, men are no different from women. We all, the symptoms of holding these things in looks like an anxiety. It looks like having racing thoughts, um, having self-doubt, you know, um, maybe not showing up to something in your full self, you know, Mm -hmm. as your full self, um, feeling sad on your own, you know, uh, having feelings of insecurity, you know, being sad, those symptoms come from what we're holding on, but it doesn't matter if you're male or female. Okay. But the physical, you know, the physical side effects, physical side effects. So for men, I can't specifically respond well, for both, to we'll just say for both. females. We see like fibromyalgia come up. Mm. Um, that's the side. That's the side effect. That is an effect of having different abusive experiences in your life mm-hmm. and holding your body still holding on to that. So, for those who don't know what fibromyalgia is, um, so it's different pains in the body um, that you really just can't identify where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of that, when we are holding on to stress, you know, local areas of that include like neck tension. You may have back pains, um, stomach, uh, stomach knots. Um, our body, our muscles hold on to all types of trauma. Mm. So you can really experience that anywhere in the what body. What about like, you know, this is stuff we hear in the community. pH, does that, is that something that's affected? What's a pH? pH balance. pH balance for females? Yeah. So absolutely. So if we're stressed out um, mm-hmm. and our hormones become imbalanced, yes, that can offset our pH and for, levels. And for men, it might maybe like what levels of testosterone, testosterone aggression. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Um, now it makes me think about something because this is, like I said, this unconventional question, these questions. Yeah. You know, like for me, these questions come my way all the time. So something that these things really like boggle my mind. So like when I speak of women that say I want this specific kind of man. Right. And but they're naturally drawn to someone who may be um, not even just because there's different decisions on what an alpha male looks like. Right. But outside of an alpha male, we're talking about toxic some women know that they're attracted to toxic men. You know what I mean? Um, and that is mainly because what? Because they're still living in uh, repressed or unprocessed um, old moments. Mm. You know, whether that's childhood or um, adulthood, you know, sometimes we just haven't come out of that yet. And yeah. so I always like to say we are the common denominator now. All right. So if we are still attaching ourselves to people that are similar, then we have to look at ourselves and go back and do some self-reflection, have moments of self-awareness and ask ourselves, what is it that I need to work on first before entering into anything new? Mm. It always comes. It always comes back to the self. 
well, I'm gonna say this like for 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 a lot of people. Do they you you recommend a lot of people do some like months of solitude? I think that there is so much healing that comes out of solitude. Um, and even if that's just for five minutes a day, mm-hmm. I think that it's a necessary because we have to be able to go in and quiet ourselves just to listen, just to see what's coming up for us consciously, unconsciously, and allow things to surface. Um, I, I'm also a huge advocate in, in solitude because um, I think that's where we get a lot of clarity. Right. Um, and a lot of people are scared of that because guess what? What you hear doesn't always feel good. If you have to change something with you and we don't like to change, then that's heavy too. You right. know, and then we have the ego. Right. It's right, like, right. well, I don't have to change. I'm fine. It's them. Yeah. They're the toxic people. Right. Yeah. So having to go in and really be with that, that's tough. Solitude. Solitude is de- the, 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 the noise from solitude is deafening. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. so now I'm gonna jump into these rapids real quick. Okay, all right. All right, so um, before we wrap, so it's uh, name your go-to vegan dish. <laughs> Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. <laughs> the that's vegan cheese. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just yes. making sure you know we have some vegans who cheat. Vegans who cheat. Yes, they be uh. like, I'm vegan. But, but I eat regular mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I had to really do a lot of experimenting, but they have some good vegan cheeses. That's like people who are like, you know, I am a, I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a LeBron <laughs> fan. <laughs> so um, three things you don't leave the home without. Hmm. My chapstick, my eyeglasses, my cell phone. Cell phone. I was I was waiting to see if you if that cell phone wasn't gonna be on that list. It, it's on there. Cause you look like somebody who's like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to anybody. I leave my phone. No, nah, I take my phone. I need my phone. <laughs> don't mean I want to talk to anybody, but I still take it. <laughs> if you had to stay in one place for a year, where would it be and why? Oh, I visited Costa Rica earlier this year, and I was like, I could I could work here three months out of the year. It was just so beautiful. I felt I felt so spiritual spiritually connected there. It was just a lot of nature. So there. Who'd you go with? Uh, I went with uh, four other couples. No individuals. Okay. Three couples. Nice, nice. Um, hmm, this is an easy one. I know the answer to, but before I do that, I'm gonna say I'm gonna ask it anyway. But I know the answer to it. Make a million dollars or help a million people? I got to do both. I cannot <laughs> have one or the other. I'm sorry. You know what? Because we have such a negative, like, um, association with money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, but no, like, no. No, you can use money to do a lot of beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's dope. What did you think I was going to say? You said you know the answer. I thought you was going to say help a million Help people. a million people? No, it has because to be Because I both. feel like a help a million people, man. The, 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 the money will come. The money's going to come That's anyway. That's true. I say follow the passion. Follow the passion. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing what you love, the money will come. I agree. What's the most useless talent you have? Useless? Oh, yeah. Okay, let me think about that. Useless talent. Singing in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Eating. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can eat. Uh, probably sleep. I love to sleep. I'm going to call that a talent. You're a professional um, sleeper. <laughs> Best purchase this year and worst purchase this year? Best purchase this year. Let me help you out. Air fryer. No. 
Trip to Africa. Trip to Africa was the best purchase this year? Yep. And the worst purchase this year? No, I'll tell you what. My best purchase was my flight to Africa. We did business class. Mm. That was that was a life changer right there. What part of Africa did you go to? We were in Dar. We went from Dar to um, Tanzania and Tanzania to Zanzibar. Ooh. So that flight purchase, that was the best purchase. The worst purchase this year... Maybe a t-shirt? A That's t-shirt. a hard question. <laughs> nah, you know what? There's some things you buy. You might buy something on. You might be watching an infomercial and you bought something and then you yeah. got it. And you was like, I'm why did an, I buy I'm this? I'm an Amazon impulsive spender, but all of that stuff feels necessary. So I can't even say the words purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Not so good. Favorite local black-owned restaurant? Ooh. Um... Blueprint Cafe. Blueprint. Oh, I Blueprint. love Blueprint. Yeah. I met you that's at Blueprint. Yeah. Yo, that's so funny. I didn't yeah. even, we didn't even officially meet. I just saw you yeah. in Blueprint. You came with your daughter. Yeah. And um, then I was like, then I saw you at uh, the event. What event did I see you at recently? Oh, at um, a birth- a graduation party. Graduation yeah. party. Yep. Uh, your favorite go-to curly hair product? <laughs> um, I am currently in love with it's a it's a line by I'm so bad with names. Caracare. Okay. It's a Caracare line. Fire. And um it's for curly girls. It's amazing. You're a curly girl. I'm a curly girl. And the last question is if someone narr- narrated your life, who would you want it to be? Hmm. I would say my best friend. Mm. Yeah. Her and I know each other very intimately. Somebody famous, so. It has to be a famous person? I'm 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 asking that if it was somebody famous, who would it be? Oh. Oh. Mm. Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy Ellis Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I, I, no, for me, I would. Uh, who would I go with? I think. Let me lean into this real quick. Probably would be. Oh man, that sucks. But yeah, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. I love Morgan Freeman's voice. Okay, okay. <laughs> I like Tracy's energy, and she's a curly girl, nah. so I think she could bring some humor in there. Nah, I think, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Well, look, we thank you for coming on the Unconventional Christian Podcast. Thank you for your time. Um, Thank you for what you do. And um, definitely look forward to having you on here again. Yes, it was absolutely my pleasure. Can't wait. And make sure for anyone who's listening that you definitely um, follow her. Uh, We'll have all her information on on our Spotify, Apple, YouTube uh, links. And also make sure that you order your doctor, your doc in a box. Yes. Support black owned businesses. Yes. Thank you guys. You guys have a blessed day. And this is another episode of the Unconventional Christian Podcast.